everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Make Climate Cool Again. I am your host, Sarah Miltenberger, and this is a podcast all about inspiring positive climate change, sharing stories from entrepreneurs, leaders, activists, anyone who is really dedicating their lives to making a positive difference on the planet and to flip the script on a conversation, climate change, being one of them, and flipping it from being really anxiety-inducing and making it fun and making it exciting and giving people hope. So something that we, honestly, something we all need right now, and I think we're all, I don't know about you, excited for 2021. I just feel an energy on social media. I feel it in my conversations. Everyone is ready for this year to be over. And I know that 2021 doesn't mean that everything is going to change. It's just a day. Uh, But I think we all need that just to feel rejuvenated, just to feel a little bit different for a minute. And there's with the vaccine and there's a lot of good news coming, coming ahead of us. And there's something, there's something to look forward to. And I think that really makes all the difference in all of this. So I know that, you know, we're in that weird holiday haze. It's post Christmas. We're getting ready for the new year. We're excited, but we're just like, God, when is 2020 over? But I think it's a good time to think about the year, what we've all gone through together as a community, what we've overcome together, truly. Like, I, I don't want you uh, to minimize what you've gone through this year, truly. Um, we've been through a lot. And that means that we can take everything we've learned in 2020 and put it towards 2021 into new opportunity and hope and chances to, to, to travel and do all the things that we didn't get out of 2020. So I know I've been reflecting on the year and thinking about next year, what do I want to accomplish? What, what do I want the business to do? What do I want to do for the podcast? And I've always struggled with goals. I don't know about you, but when I used to put lofty goals and then I didn't work out, every single day or twice a day or didn't lose those 20 pounds, I would just get so down on myself after like two weeks, right? Uh, And so I just stopped doing that. I stopped making goals that were so formulaic and big and just didn't work for me because as soon as I made a goal, I was like, I don't, I want to break this rule that I just set for myself. So what I've done in the past, and maybe this works for you, I like to use a word that just sums up what I want to accomplish for the year. So one word I used maybe two years ago was vulnerability because I realized that there were places in my relationships and in my life that I was not being vulnerable enough to really get the most out of my life. And so I put myself in situations where I had to be vulnerable. When you have kind of a word that you align yourself with, it helps you make choices. So another one was, um, I think it was opportunity. I think it was just take every opportunity you can to learn. And that so that was one year. 
So I don't know yet what 2021 will be the word of the year. I think I'll share it in my next episode, so you'll have to stay tuned. But I think there's, I think I have an idea. But maybe that will work for you because sometimes, yeah, as soon as I make rules for myself, I want to break them. So if you're like me, maybe pick a word. That would be good. Now, on to the episode of the year. No, I'm just kidding. Pooja from Booney Dune is amazing. She was working in finance, realized she wanted to switch things up. She really cared about sustainability. She cared about skincare. And she created her own line of product that she thought was better than anyone else. She thought about the product from beginning to end, the packaging, the design, how the consumer was going to use it, how she was going to ship everything. Everything came from a sustainability first mindset. I think it's just awesome. And just to show you how inspiring she is, she started this skincare line basically in the middle of COVID. Or she launched it in the middle of COVID. So while a lot of us were like thinking about, oh, what do we want to do with our lives? She, you know, she was like launching a business, which is amazing. So she's a great story. We have so much fun in this interview. We're just laughing and giggling. I think you all will really enjoy it. She's just a ray of light. And she's even giving a really great discount for her product. Like really good. Better than most. So you'll have to listen to hear the discount code when she shares it. That being said, I also just want to give a shout out to my sponsor, Blue Earth Compost. They are a local composting business in Connecticut. You know, we want to support small businesses. And I've just had such a fantastic experience with them. I hope if you are in Connecticut, you can give them a chance. And if they service you, they seriously will send you an email reminding you of your pickup day. Then you go, you put out your bin and it's done. Like I just put it out on my front step. They come, they get it. They refresh it with a new bag and everything. It's so easy. And they give you a huge list of all the things that they accept. There's no question in my mind of what's compostable. And I just think they make composting so easy. I think Composting is scary to some people. It's like smelly. What do you do? There's too many questions. And, you know, I've composted before in New York City and they're they're very strict about what they accept for composting. But like my boyfriend's never composted before and he loves it. So it, that's how easy it is. <laughs> um, so you should go check them out. You get a special discount. I think it's 15% off using the code MAKECLIMATECOOL for any subscription over six months. Guys, it's literally like $10 a month. So it's like a salad or a sushi order a month. So you can compost for the whole month. It's amazing. There's no reason why you wouldn't want to try. Plus the coupon. I hope you uh, give them a chance. So that being said, I hope you love the interview. Um, I hope you give their, I hope you give Boonie Duna a try too. They're great. And until next week, Happy New Year and stay golden. Hello. Hi, how's it going? I'm good. I apologize for the mess around me. (laughs) No worries. It is the holidays. There is literally like Whole Foods bags just cut up because I was using those for wrapping paper. It's just a mess in this apartment right now. (laughs) 
No worries. But yeah, I'm glad we finally got to do this. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking with me. And, you know, when we first talked, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And you had reached out to me about this product that you had created basically during COVID. Yes. And it's amazing. And I love what you're doing. So I'm just excited to have you on. So why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit and talk to me about, you know, you've created this skincare line uh, called Boonie Dune and it's a zero waste product. And just, let's just talk a little bit about your background and, and how you want figured out you wanted to create this. Yes, of course. I, um, my name is Pooja. I'm the founder of Boonie Dune. We are a zero waste skincare brand, as you mentioned, and we just launched, um, you know, in July of 2020 and with our first product, which is our calm cleansing capsules. And before launching Boonie Dune, I had, no experience in the beauty or skincare industry. I was a consumer for sure, but I never really had any background in cosmetic chemistry or marketing or sales in the beauty industry. I was just really passionate about, you know, struggling to find low waste alternatives. And then I decided I should just make my own, you know, that is really what you know, inspired me to start Boonie Dune. And prior to starting Boonie Dune, I actually worked in finance in New York City and I was working really long hours, got no sleep, ate very poorly. And all of those, that entire lifestyle, all of those aspects really showed on my skin. That's the first place I started to see the impact. Um, And that's, you know, when I started to get more into skincare. So, you know, as a consumer, I started reading about ingredients. I started thinking about packaging. I um, walked into my bathroom one day and just saw product packaging everywhere and plastic everywhere. And um, that's what started my journey on sustainability overall too. I love that because it just goes to show that the consumer knows best, right? Like we're using the products all the time. We're the first ones to say, oh, why isn't there this? Or why is the packaging this way? And, you know, it's funny you mentioned you were kind of going through all of your products and that was probably how you came up with the design for the Calm capsules. Uh, I was just cleaning out my bathroom yesterday. Like I went through this huge closet and it's funny because I think skincare is something that you can so easily try something new because it's relatively low cost. You can just be like, oh, like my skin's breaking out. Clearly what I'm doing is not working. Let me just buy this new cleanser. And then you end up having all these cleansers or masks. Like I've had some masks for like three years because <laughs> I just like, I still have the container and it, it's slow to go through. Um but I have your capsules. I really like them. I use them in the morning. And I just think like, especially with quarantine and quarantine acne, uh, <laughs> it's real. The mask acne is real. So uh, I just think like it's a really good product and it smells nice and um, it's pretty easy to use, but it, yeah. it's, it's, it's zero waste. It's zero waste. And I think the biggest thing is, as you mentioned, skincare is so personal too. Like what might work for one person doesn't work for another person. So when you think about recommendations for skincare, it's so 
hit or miss really when it comes to like what works for you and what might not work for you. And I think that's sort of what drove my personal consumption is I was reading about all these new products. And I was like, this might, this worked for this person who has a similar skin tone, but maybe they have a similar skin tone, but don't have the same skin type or, you know, environmental factors as well. And I think that, you know, with any product, now that I'm in the industry, something that I'm more conscientious of myself is consistency is really important. I think that as a consumer, I was constantly going through products. You know, if it didn't produce a miracle within a week, I was moving on. And from a sustainability perspective too, that's so bad because, you know, skincare products expire. And if you're not using them, you know, consistently, they're more likely to expire and there's product waste. And the idea of product waste is actually what led me to encapsulate the Calm capsules, just because I knew that, say for example, Calm capsules didn't work for you. You can easily give it to your friend or your family member because none of the other products, like the rest of the product in the packaging has been contaminated. Wow, that I didn't even think of that. Um, I could, I should just give a couple samples to some of my friends, <laughs> like put them in a jar that I have or something. That's actually a really good idea. Um, you know, I was thinking, I, I've always thought this, I really love mini sized things. I don't know what it is, if it's just women, if it's just me, but anything smaller than the original size, I think is adorable and I love it. <laughs> and okay, so I'm not the only one. But I know, I know how much, you know, those, those are like really wasteful in terms of, it's like a lot of packaging for a little amount of product, but at the same time, it's less product that you might actually use. Like for a long time, I only used to buy the travel size mascaras because you could get a really good brand for a way in three months is up. The, the, the travel size is like the right amount for three months if you're changing up your mascara when you're, well, I don't know if you're supposed to, but I think they say every <laughs> three months. Um, but I always used to buy the small one. Cause I was like, why would I spend more for more ingredients and more stuff and like more packaging, but let's talk a little bit more about the Boonie Dune packaging. What was the thought process to go in, into that? What are all the components that, you know, maybe people don't even think about that you've put a lot of thought into? You know, I think that oftentimes when I read about other founders and other brands, it always seems like an epiphany moment. And all of a sudden they came up with this amazing product. My Boonie Dune journey is very, very different than that. It was so iterative in nature. And I think that that's forced me to be a bit more thoughtful, like every single junction where I had to make a decision about packaging. You know, if you just ask yourself, is this the most sustainable way to do it? You're likely to create a really sustainable product at the end of it. So when I first started, you know, Boonie Dune, I think that I knew I wanted to use glass, but then, you know, how do I make glass beautiful, right? Like I don't want to have any UV light or, you know, any degradation of my product in the glass jars. So then I thought about, oh, let's just frost it or color it. And then I learned about how, you know, paint is more likely to contaminate glass and in the recycling process. So then we use the acid etching to make sure that, you know, limit the amount of contamination when the glass is recycled. And then similarly, I, you know, reached out to manufacturers and distributors um, 
regarding, you know, our bamboo lids. I wanted to have a wooden lid. And, you know, every time I ordered samples, I just received this lid with the plastic liner inside. And, you know, the idea that like, just like pop the liner out, how hard could it be? It's incredibly hard. Um, I ended up having to, you know, work with the factory in China directly to make sure that, you know, we're manufactured and custom carved our bamboo lids for our jars, because that allowed us to take the plastic liner out of it. Otherwise, you know, none of the manufacturers or suppliers we're working with in the United States were able to do that since they're not producing it themselves. Um, so we went directly to the source and got it done. And I think that in those tiny like decision-making moments, it's so easy just to go the easier way, which is probably not the most sustainable way, um, but we, uh, you know, really take, you know, extended producer responsibility seriously at Booney Dune. And that's what drove me to make sure that we're making the decisions in the, the right way. Yeah, and, you know, the packaging is gorgeous. I love glass packaging because they can be used for so many things after the fact. You know, I can plant a plant in the, or a succulent in right. the packaging of Fribuni doing it. And it's beautiful in the sense that I don't have to worry about like, it's not like it's a jam jar or something. And I mean, jam jars are fine if they have a cute label. I don't know. I think there's just, you've really put a lot of thought into it. And, you know, and it's funny how you have to put extra work into less product because you want, you, you, it's like, you just want the plastic lid taken out of it. And you probably had to, spend either more money and more time just yeah. to get that done, which is crazy to me. Um, but it's also interesting. And, and how did you get to capsules? Capsules. <laughs> capsules. <laughs> I don't know what is wrong with me. I think like, it's such a different, I think it, it's interesting because I feel like we're moving into such a health and wellness space. So immediately when I think capsules, I think vitamins, I think health and wellness, I think health so is that was that your thinking as well or how did you think of that so it really was as i mentioned before so iterative in nature when i first developed the product i thought of it as a cleansing powder and you know cleansing powders are actually very common in asia but not as common with the american consumer so when we did consumer testing on our prototypes many of our consumers came back to us and said, I don't know how much powder to use. I keep adding powder. I keep adding water. I keep adding more powder. Then I add more water. It's not foaming for me. It's too much. It's too complicated. And, you know, that leads to a lot of product waste. And it also just, you know, we want to remove as many barriers as possible for the consumer in their journey as well, whether it's sustainability or whether that's actually with the product itself. Um, so I decided, you know, we need to make it, you know, single, single use, but single use usually means plastic. So when I went to the market, oftentimes, you know, other cleansing powders are, you know, sort of housed in these little single use pods um, that are made out of plastic. That's not what I want to do. And it just creates so much waste. Um, so then I just went and did some research, like how do you what other types of single usage stuff are out there? And, you know, nutraceuticals is a great example of that where everyone needs to take, you know, capsules once a day or proportioned out that's like an appropriate amount. And um, we actually contacted a nutraceutical company and that makes supplements and wellness um, products. And our capsules are actually larger than your typical vitamin. It's sort of hard to tell scale, but uh, we hope, 
we have about half a gram of our cleansing powder in there, which creates more than enough um, of the product of the cleanser itself when you add water to it. And it allowed us to, you know, take that decision-making process out of the consumer's hand and make it much more easy for them to use. Right, because the capsule is dissolvable, like it would be like a vitamin or something. So um, that's interesting. And the capsules, I think, are great also for, not that we're traveling, but they're good for travel. Like it's so much easier. You don't have to worry about spillage with the product. Um, and I just think it's a really interesting design. Um, and I thought the same thing when I started Booney D and I thought, you know, these would be great to just travel with, you know, you don't have to take your entire cleanser with you when you're on a trip. And especially because most cleansers are liquid and you don't want to spill anything. And usually cleansers aren't found in less than three ounces. So they're really hard to travel with. And then, you know, the pandemic happened. I was like, oh, maybe like this is irrelevant at this point. Like no one's traveling, no one's going anywhere. Um, but then, you know, I was really excited to see that, you know, when our consumers were purchasing our products, like our first couple of customers, like during the summer, were really people who are camping or hiking or, you know, enjoying the outdoors. And they love it because you don't leave any trace behind, you know, the capsules completely, their capsules are made of tapioca starch and they completely dissolve in water. So after, you know, using your cleanser, you can just toss the capsules and they dissolve and you don't have to worry about any sort of environmental impact as well. It reminds me, this is what, this is the thought I was getting to while you were talking and then I couldn't capture it back, but it reminds me of Blue Land's story because the thing about a lot of cleansers is they're heavy because they're filled with a lot of water. Like a lot of cleansers are, you know, a couple ingredients and then a ton of water and maybe some kind of binder that makes it like a jelly or something or cream, whatever it is. And, but they're all water-based for the most part. And that's a lot of weight when it's getting shipped wherever it's made, it's getting shipped all over the world. And what I liked about Blue Land, which is very similar to you, is you're like, you took water out of the equation because you recognize that, you know, also where are they extracting this water? Are they extracting water when they're producing these products? Are they extracting it in a place that actually is quite limited water? And that company is like taking all the water from the villagers. Like, it's just an interesting way to think about a product. And I, you know, I use all blue land products at my house because I just love that concept of everything being powder based and, you know, even like my probiotic is like nothing comes in packaging. It's all refillable. You know, it does, I haven't gotten a Booney Dune refill, but is yours the same too, where you just send the refill? You don't send the whole glass container again. You just yes. keep reusing it. Exactly. So we have a refill program that we launched, soft launched this year, at the end of this year, but we are actually going to be, we're having um, essentially like metal containers and it's going to be circular in nature, which is one thing that I really wanted to do. So after refilling it, you'll mail it back to us rather than even um, some of the ideas that we toyed with having like, you know, paper, um, like a paper jar that we send our capsules in. But we wanted to actually just reduce as much waste as possible and start really reusing what we are creating too. Oh, I like that. Um, so why cleanser first what was it about cleanser that you were like 
this is what I want to start with. Not soap, not lotion. You know, I know there's another capsule company out there and they do like they did a moisturizer or like a serum. So just curious why cleanser. I think cleansers are something that everyone uses. So from a market perspective, this was a great way for me to understand product market fit. Like everyone needs to wash their face irrespective of, you know, who they are. Uh, Everyone ought to be washing their face if they're not. And I think that, you know, from our perspective, also when we think about like environmental contaminants, oftentimes they're sulfates that are found in cleansers and skincare products and personal care products. So we also want to address that issue where, you know, here are products that not only have a ton of water, are packaged in plastic, but the ingredients themselves are not necessarily kind to your skin or the environment. And, you know, if we can tackle all of these issues with our product, that's amazing. And that's what really drove me to think about, you know, a cleanser that doesn't have water, that has ingredients that we don't even, because we took the water of the equation, like you mentioned, we didn't need to include all of these preservatives that are typically found in cleansers. So, you know, phenoxyethanol that has been shown to be harmful to humans, like all of these ingredients we just took out and um, we didn't require it didn't require it, the formulation didn't require it. And then also when we were developing, you know, part of the reason that we formulated in a powder formulation was because we wanted to include a biosurfactant called ramnolipids. And ramnolipids is actually used in bioremediation. And so it's incredibly, incredibly kind to the environment. And, um, you know, by reformulating our, our cleanser, we were able to include that. And that's one of the key surfactants in our product. I think that everyone should try your product because it's great. I love it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I talk about this so much. I'm sure every, all the listeners, like you literally say this all the time. It is a fact that the U S does not have as many chemical restrictions on personal care products as Europe. And that scares me. That really scares me. I think during the pandemic, especially I am so like focused on health in every single way. Like I recently like got every single doctor's appointment, all my blood work. Like I want to know what's going on with my body right now at this point of time in my life so that I can preserve its health. <laughs> and I think like we don't even realize that like the shampoo we're using, the a lot of times the soap we're using, like this stuff all has chemicals in it that we are putting on our skin, it's going into our bloodstream. We're literally polluting our bodies with some of the products that we're using. And that's just like totally okay in, in our world right now. And I think that the more people are aware of it, the more people will make a switch. So I know, you know, you were so generous to be offering like a discount to anyone who yes. listens to make climate cool. Uh, I think it was actually 20% make climate. Whoa. Cool. 20%. Guys, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. Start your new year right. Get yourself some Boonie Dune 20% off with Make Climate Cool. Yes. I don't know what you're waiting for. I I try not to say get rid of all of your products now because you want to use everything you have until it's gone. But um, I completely agree. I think that's the biggest thing where you know, when I first started my sustainability journey, I was so eager to like 
replace everything. You know, I want a bamboo toothbrush. I want this. I want that. There's all these cool zero waste swaps out there, but that's the biggest waste of all are things that you buy and you don't use or things that you buy that expire and go straight into the trash. No, I completely agree. And I think that is, that's like the hard part about sustainability though, I think is like, we want to make that transition, but we don't know how but I think we're so creative as humans. We don't even realize how we are problem solving all the time. And I think now more than ever, we have an opportunity to use our stuff at home. And I know I've been reading a lot of reports lately about trends in the market and, you know, people are, there's going to be a huge growth in sewing because people want to just do something else other than tie-dyeing and like needlepoint <laughs> is going to be the yeah. next big thing. But consistently like self-care is going to continue to be such a huge trend because of the stress that everyone's under. And it's a great opportunity to look at our products and look at all like our world around us and say, how can we make this more sustainable? How can I be better? Can I bring reusable bags to the grocery store? Can I, um, what can I use around my house that, you know, I already have this and I can repurpose it. I am constantly repurposing. I'm even crazy enough that I repurpose like water when I'm washing dishes. Cause I am like, well, it's already soapy water. I don't want to go down the drain. It's got to go into another container. Cause it's so <laughs> like, but I think sustainability does that too. You just start to think of all the things all the time. I agree. I think there's a light bulb switch that happens at least for me personally, when I first wanted to be more sustainable because I've been ingrained to consume and spend. I really thought of things I can acquire to be more sustainable, but there is like this inflection point where you think of like, I already have so much, how do I reuse or, you know, buy secondhand or even, you know, repurpose what I do have to be more sustainable. And I think that's really when you actually do be, you know, you are a sustainable consumer when you're actually reusing and repurposing and recycling what you do have. Was it like a, like a light bulb moment for you when you're like, you like saw a movie and you're like, oh my God, uh, I need to change everything. Or was it kind of a slow and steady evolution? I think it was a combination of both where, you know, when I was younger, I was really into the environment. I, you know, was part of my environmental science club in high school. I minored in environmental studies in college and I was super into the environment. And then after graduating, like, you know, over the past decade or so, I just completely, you know, convenience triumph sustainability in every part of my life where it's just easier to not think about what, Tide pods actually contain. It's just easier to consider, you know, Ubering everywhere rather than taking public transportation. All of those tiny things add up. And I think it sort of dawned on me when I came home that day and I saw all the plastic packaging and all the products I had in my bathroom. Cause it's like, who is this person? Who needs so much stuff? Who really like, especially for something like skincare, do how many products do you actually need? And it's that was probably the light bulb moment. And now I'm slowly, gradually trying to be more sustainable in everything that I do. But it's hard to unlearn those habits that you sort of, you know, muscle memory <laughs> over the past decade where, you know, this is just the easiest way to do it. Well, oh, I completely agree too, because also thinking about when you were in college and you were studying environmental policy. And I think about when I was in college studying environmental policy, um, 
you couldn't do much. Like you, there was not, you know, Whole Foods was super expensive. That was there. There weren't a ton of eco products on the market. There were some sustainable brands, but they were so expensive. Right. You're kind of like, I remember just being really upset my senior year because I want, I'd learned, you know, just spent how many years learning about this. I could not afford to do anything really about it. I was stuck in sort of this college ecosystem and, um, and I just remember having just so much anxiety about everything in the world. And, and it's something when I talk to students now in my presentations, I touch on that because I know that must be what they're feeling. Cause I felt it, but they are so lucky now that there's actually more information about sustainability, more DIYs out there that are talked about, that there's TikToks, there's reels. That was just not a thing when we were in college. So I just think it's so easy to do to like when it wasn't part of your every day, right. you know? I think that it's become so much more mainstream, like thankfully so, where now even like large companies, consumer product companies are thinking about sustainability before they weren't even considering it. Like, you know, major skincare and beauty companies are thinking about reducing their plastic use and packaging and the formulation of their products and trying to be cruelty free and trying to be, you know, vegan in their products. Like all those things like are sustainability initiatives, even if they're not necessarily benefiting, you know, environment, I think. Um, and I think that the other thing is that when I graduated college, sustainability had like a negative connotation to it. People thought of it as, you know, hippie, you know, hippie dippy living in, you know, crunchy granola, la la land where, oh my gosh, you want to be zero waste. Oh my God. You're, you're like speaking everything that I felt about sustainability for so long. And that's hence why I made this podcast. And actually, I think your episode is coming out after we've just done a huge rebrand. And it's such a huge, it was so important to me not to be granola and like neutrals and like no <laughs> color. And like, not that no, not that it's not important because dyes have uh, color in real life. Yes. Is, has environmental impact. Um, but, you know, neutral just seems no fun to me. It, there, there's a, I think that that's sort of what turned a lot of people that maybe like, you know, I grew up with who probably don't follow the same sort of sustainability lifestyle is they're like, oh, but that's just, it's not, that doesn't appeal to me. Like by, I think now there's like more of a, um, focus on making sustainability accessible and actually attractive to people. And I think that's really where we're going to see a huge switch. And granted, like also now it's more of a pressing concern. Like, you know, we are currently in a climate change crisis before it just seemed like it was further, you know, further away, but now we're actually at the door and sort of stepping through that, that threshold, unfortunately. Um, so I do appreciate that there's more brands that make sustainability fun and accessible. And more importantly than that, accessible from a price point too, where now it is like, you know, still there is a premium that I think companies charge for sustainability that I think they're working to like make that more in line with like the standard pricing. But it is a little bit more affordable to be sustainable versus it wasn't when I graduated college at least. 
Yeah. And I think another part of that affordability is that there's certain, like that the supply chain has gotten more affordable. And you said, you know, you've gone all the way to China. It's like, try to find it because China is the manufacturing hub for a lot of recycled material because, you know, not to get too like deep into it, but for the most part, you need certain minimum requirements for orders of certain materials and that's really only accessible to big businesses unless a small mm-hmm. business like distribute it to other distributes it to other businesses. Um, and it's just really, I think tough. And I think we, it's like, Oh, well then it's getting shipped from China. It's like, well, that's, that's just like the way, not the way it is. It's just, we don't have that manufacturing in the United States. And if they're pushing for the technology, then it kind of feels better than still using a virgin plastic that was pumped from the ground and was made there regardless. Like I agree. I think like when I first started Boonie and Dune, I thought I wanted to source everything domestically. And I, you know, that was like important to me to make sure that the product was made domestically and, you know, from a, like a safety and transparency and an FDA perspective, I think that it's still very important to me to manufacture the actual formulations in the United States. But I think that the more I saw, like, if I'm going, like, I went to, you know, suppliers in the United States for our packaging, and I reached out to them for quotes and, you know, the customization aspects of it. And it was really expensive to customize something in the United States. And it's also, from my perspective, I learned that most of them are sourcing it from China anyways. So then why am I shipping something like what's the carbon footprint here like for me to purchase something from domestic and be like oh you know my packaging comes from you know texas or someplace like that but in reality it comes from china it goes to texas and then it comes to me where we manufacture everything in georgia that's a lot more of a carbon footprint than getting something and getting it shipped directly to georgia from china 100 percent agree i have um a client that i'm doing some work with and they want, you know, their brand is very like industrial plastic, like bright. And they want the most sustainable option for a very cheap cost. And they won't do it. They won't, they just like, it doesn't meet our brand standards. Like, well, you're going to have to change your brand standards because I don't know what else to tell you. There's no other option for you. Like right now, in your budget is not possible and it has to come from China. There's no local options. That is, I have to be the bearer of bad news sometimes, but at the same time, I think there's so much hope for materials out there. Like just even just talking to you about how you designed your skincare, like there's just so many cool things that are out there for probably your next product that you just never know what you're going to be able to create It's just all in the works because there's such demand for new things. Everyone's trying to come up with something cool and different and made of algae and, you know, uh, is edible. And (laughs) at the same time, it's just not mass marketed yet. So I'm just like excited to see where all like consumer goods move to because there's just so much going on in innovation right now, but it hasn't hit like a mass marketed scale. So we'll just have to see what happens. 
And I love the fact that everything is sort of super niche now because as consumers, we are super individualistic, you know, like I don't want, you know, a toothpaste that works for 99.9% of the population because I don't think my like oral care is, you know, that generalized, you know, I want something that works for me at my age at like what I depending on the diet I have, like, do I eat more acidic foods? Like all those things matter. And I think that that's why we see an emergence of so many of these small businesses, because, you know, as consumers, a lot of people have felt that their needs aren't met with these generalized products. And they, they're bringing something to market that is super specific and um, are, you know, specific to the needs of the consumer. And there's probably like-minded individuals out there that would purchase that product. Wow. I just think we found the splice for the Instagram. That was amazing and perfect. And I didn't even think of it like that. Cause I think we think, oh, it's, it's cheaper. If some of these bigger brands could just go green, great, but still like they're not making a product that they're making a product with an assumption that everyone it's usable for everyone, but at the same time, not everyone has the same problems and not everyone has the same right. concerns and everyone is so different. Isn't that interesting? We all are special and we all want products that meet meet what I want in my life. Um, (laughs) Speaking of your life, I always like to move away, start to move away from sort of business talk and get into a little bit more of, you know, your, in your own life, the things that you notice around you. My, my first question is always, you know, what is you, when you're just living your life, what do you see out there? That's like your biggest sustainability pet peeve. And you're just like, why do people do that? I'm going to say water bottles as an example, like the mini ones, because they're literally one sip. Like why? (laughs) I don't get it either. I, um, what was, what's my sustainability pet peeve? I would say, honestly, like my sustainability pet peeve, ha- like especially in skincare, has to be my makeup wipes. I don't, I was a consumer. I love makeup wipes, especially when they came out with those individually wrapped ones. And now I look back, I'm like, they didn't do anything for my skin. They didn't take my makeup off. They just rubbed it around my face. And then on top of that, they're so wasteful. They're so incredibly wasteful. And I think that like now that I'm looking back, I'm like, what was I thinking? I think I was just, you know, such so susceptible to the marketing of it where I thought this is convenient, this is effective. And now when I actually view it through a more critical lens, I realize it's neither convenient nor effective. Um, So I would say that makeup wipes are my sustainability pet peeve. And then, you know, just thinking about my life in general, like this journey, these past couple of years, I would say that, you know, oftentimes sustainability is positioned in the market as something that millennials care about or Gen Z cares about. I can't tell you how excited my, you know, older baby boomer father is of sustainability. He is so excited. He, he like loves, whenever I talk about the sustainability of my ingredients or something, he just is riveted. And I think that's something that we shouldn't discount is that, you know, the things that we're creating or the things that we're talking about aren't just for specific people. They're not just for younger generations. Like older people care about this too. And they're excited about it. They just have been waiting for people to bring it to market. Oh, you just, uh, that's so funny because my dad is also the same way. He'll be like, (laughs) 
Sari, look what I did. And he's like, he, he, he was the first, you know, a couple of years ago, he started collecting water and jugs like from milk jugs. I mean, actually mm-hmm. it's funny. My parents don't buy milk anymore, but they reuse these jugs for years. So my dad is shaving and the water is running. He captures it with the jugs and then they use it to like throughout the day. Cause you know, they have, um, well water. So they just drink it or they give it to yeah. my dog or they plants or whatever, whenever they need water. And cause, and there's no reason necessarily, I don't, we don't live in a, they don't live in a place that necessarily is, has an issue with water mm-hmm. and droughts. Actually the summer, um, we had a pretty bad drought, but it's just, he feels like he can do something and he went and he got solar and has like, and he's <laughs> he just like, that. he's dived in he has an electric car like, <laughs> and he's just like, are you proud of me? Look what I did. And I just think you're right. I don't think we should discount them. And I completely agree about the makeup wipes too. I've been using a makeup eraser for a year and a half now. You I just throw that. water on that thing and you're, <laughs> I use it like twice during my skincare routine. Um, just because it gets makeup off and you can just throw it in the wash. You don't need to throw anything out. I agree. I, you know, I think that that's something that inspires me the most is when I see like an older generation really embrace, you know, values that we're sort of champion as like the younger generation. I think especially when I started Booney June, I thought that my market was really millennials and Gen Z and my branding was supposed to appeal to them and my product was supposed to appeal to them. And, you know, I can't tell you how excited I am when I see older women and men embrace the product and purchase it and leave reviews on the website. I just absolutely love that. It makes my day. And I think too, I have a client who there's a bit, it's a business that's owned by a much older gentleman and then a guy just younger than me. And we were talking about the business and he was saying how, you know, his business partner who's older is like, so tries to be efficient in everything. Like everything about what they do is trying to be as efficient as possible. And I'm like, you're already trying, you're already pretty sustainable if you're trying to do that and like really trying to make the most of every ingredient or every this and and you're already thinking about the future like that is already instilled in you I think the older generation maybe they don't think of it as sustainability but they think of it as like efficiency and they think of it it's just a different kind of branding that I kind of wish our industry paid attention to because I think sometimes certain sustainability buzzwords like just turn people off because they don't know what they mean. They feel like they can't, they're not part of that culture. So they're not welcome. I get really upset about the whole vegan community being so exclusive um, sometimes. And I think it's like that we need to just remind everyone that like, it's okay if we're all imperfectly perfect. It's totally okay. Everyone is welcome to try something new. No one here is telling you that you're doing it wrong as long as you're trying, you know? I couldn't agree more. Actually, it's so funny you mentioned that when I, you know, on Instagram, we've started receiving a ton of direct like DMs about, you know, I just don't think zero waste is for me. I don't think this lifestyle is possible. It's like, you know, it's not practical in nature. And I, I, we actually started an interview series where we highlight, you know, people in our Instagram community, because 
call it imperfectly sustainable, just because it is about everyone doing just as much as they possibly can. It's not about being perfectly zero waste. For some people, it's not possible. You know, your lifestyle doesn't allow you to have that, um, you know, that little amount of waste and that's fine. I think also, it also changes the narrative as to like who is responsible for the waste, right? I think that, you know, in our sustainability, like sphere, we oftentimes focus on what consumers can do. It's really about what businesses can do. Like if all businesses took responsibility, like the extender producer responsibility concept, if all businesses took responsibility for what the consumer has to do with the product when they're finished with it, then I think we would see less waste in, in the world. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's something like I try to get across to my clients is like, you have to answer to this. Like someone's going to ask you someday, why did you make this? And now I have to deal with it. Like, how do I deal with this product now? There's like a Kanye West tweet that he's like, oh, great. Now I'm responsible for a plastic water bottle because they like give you plastic water bottles on a plane. And he's <laughs> like, I just, I didn't want this. I was asleep and now he gave it to me and I, I have to deal with this now. And it's so true. Um, but also <laughs> as in the quest for sustainability <laughs> you're <out. laughs> you know i know everyone freaked out about kim giving a tour of her kitchen back during like literally the beginning of covid i think she was like i'm gonna <laughs> give you a tour and it's like industrial like a full restaurant kitchen in her house yeah. i watched it um <laughs> and hey they're vegan they they she was talking about how she's really trying to reduce the amount of packaging and how you know she showed she had all but she had all these massive fridges and like i'm like i wonder if they're efficient how is her house being run is it being run on solar because you don't have to have solar panels to be using solar energy so it's just like i always have questions in my head because i'm always thinking like what could be better even i go to the dentist's office i'm like you know if you didn't give away those toothbrushes then you could do this with the money and, or you could, you know, people don't need those toothbrushes. They right. have their own toothbrushes. Like everyone <laughs> has an electric toothbrush pretty much. Um, or a bamboo one or, or something else. Like you don't have to give away all this plastic because now people have to deal with it. But in that kind of, in that line of thinking, you know, I think while it's okay to do whatever you can, I think once you get into sustainability, you want to do everything perfectly and you can't. So you yeah. just feel like a hypocrite sometimes, especially with COVID. We're really trying to support small businesses, small restaurants two to three times a week. Um, and you get a lot of packaging. And it's actually terrible. the places that we go are not terrible, but I still feel like, oh no, I feel hypocritical because I'm like, oh, now I have plastic fork, even though I asked for no fork, but what makes you feel like a sustainability hypocrite on your journey of like trying to be better? I would say eating out. I think like I like I love cooking, but I like eating out and I like, you know, now that you can't eat out in New York City, at least um, we order a lot. I think I order often multiple times a week and it comes with even even though I always check like don't include any utensils don't include any of that the packaging itself like you know your sushi comes in a tray your food co comes in a bowl all that plastic always plastic um and it really and it's so funny because you know in India where my family's from they you know 
my family there eats out all the time, but it comes in metal stainless steel containers. And, you know, after they use it, they give it back to the same person they order from and it's reused. And I just think it's so silly that, you know, the food there doesn't cost as much as like my one sushi order um, costs. And it's just so much more sustainable and so much cheaper. And I just wish that, you know, there is some sort of person out there, there probably is a person out there who's working towards making takeout delivery more sustainable. Well, people don't realize that when you buy something, any everything you buy incorporates the cost of packaging. And so as soon as you get rid of packaging, usually the price goes down a little bit. Um, well, actually there is a company in New York. I'm not sure if they deliver to you, but have you heard of Deliver Zero? No, I haven't. So they are a zero waste um, delivery company in New York City that's like getting, I'm going to have to DM you like the details, but basically it's kind of reminds me of college where they have green containers that they have at restaurants at the, that participate with their program and they just put all their stuff in the reusable containers and then they deliver them. And then next time you order, you give it back. I love so that. So there's no waste at all. And it looks really cool. I think it's a lot of like Chinese food restaurants from what I can tell, like in their Instagram, but I don't know what other restaurants work with them. I assume they're going to blow up. And I, I, I'm like, should I be an investor? Because they're going <laughs> to blow up. Because uh, it sounds amazing as long as it's like all working out. And especially because it's COVID, like you can just, as long as they have a facility washing them, exactly. there shouldn't be an issue. I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, during COVID, a lot of times, like, I think a lot of people who are trying to be more sustainable became really felt guilty about reusable, like not, you know, disposable masks or disposable gloves, or even those face shields made out of plastic, like all those things. Like, I feel like oftentimes we talk about sustainability, but we have to talk about it you know, in a sort of relevant manner where what do the times expect of us and like forgive ourselves and give ourselves grace for, you know, having to sort of deal with other issues that might be a little bit more pressing. Oh yeah. I love that you way that you said that give ourselves grace for not being perfect, even though we feel bad about it. It's okay. It's, it's totally okay. okay to just, you'll have it. There'll be another day. You did your best, whatever your best is. Um, and sometimes, you know, life is hard right now. Sometimes you need to go get a coffee or maybe that's, I've talked about in the past, like that is like my only social interaction is I go get a coffee and meet up with a friend and we take a walk and it's so it's social distance. It's still like, I get that. Otherwise it's too cold Yeah, it's crazy. and I'd be freezing, but you know, I guess I could make it at home, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I know. No, you can't put so much pressure on yourself. You're doing Absolutely. what you can. Mm-hmm. I completely so, I have loved this. I think this is awesome. I think you're a great person to follow. And I hope other people just get engaged with Boonie Dune. I love your interviews. I saw that in your story a couple of weeks ago, I think, that just talking about what it means to be imperfectly sustainable. And I just think more people should go get involved and obviously try your product for, especially because it's 20% off. Why wouldn't you, you know? <laughs> yes. We're actually, you know, I'll keep the code on for 
six months until June, because if you already have a cleanser at home, you want to go through that first, by all means, like wait to try it too. Okay, guys, you have six months until <laughs> the code is out. So make sure you get some. It also is a great gift, like you said. Um, but I'm so thankful for having you on and just hearing your story. And, you know, one last thing before you jump off for anyone that's thinking about starting a sustainability business or startup, what would be some sage advice that you've learned? You know, one thing I didn't do that I wish I did is I wish I just started an Instagram before I started my company. Just start an Instagram, connect with people who, you know, share your values, who might be customers and see what's out there and just hear what's important to them too. Because I think that's, it's free, first of all, to do all of that. And also it's just a great way to just see what the need in the market is. And I think that's the only advice. And also reach out to people. Like if I always take calls or emails or LinkedIn <laughs> messages from people um, because I think it's so important just to see what it really is truly like to start a business um, and the sort of struggles that come with being trying to be as sustainable as possible. That's awesome that you're a resource for people. Everyone go LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do the same too because you never know even now I have conversations with people and they're asking me questions. And I'm like, wait, you just gave me an idea for this. And it's totally not related really, but sometimes just like having conversations gets your creative juices yes. flowing. And that's I think why we need badly social interaction because exactly. it's part of our, it's part of making progress. But I, and I think too, that's such good advice because I think social media is one of the hardest parts about a business. Like I will make a post and just forget to post it. And I, <laughs> I, it, it, I like, I put all this work into it because I'm thinking like, oh, it's done. Oh, it's done now, but I haven't gone through the work of posting it yet. And so then I'm like, wow, my Instagram is so inconsistent. So that is a 2021 goal um, with all the new branding. It's gonna look so pretty, um, which I'm excited to see it. have seen by now. Um, but thank you again so much for coming on and sharing. I can't wait for everyone to just get involved and try your cleanser and until the new pro the next product comes out. So yes. we're going to be launching a couple products um, early next year. But then after that, I think, you know, once we launch those products, we're sort of done for 2021 and 2022, um, just because I want to be a little bit more intentional about what we launch and why we launch it. All right. So everyone's got to go follow at Booney Dune on Instagram so you can see what new product they're launching. And again, you have 20% off using the code make climate cool. So maybe they should wait until the new launch. <laughs> um, now that they know you guys yeah. are insiders, you now know, I don't think anyone else knows that. No, nope. no. Nope, nope, so, nope. well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun.